It's good to be with you today. We've been in a, uh, a series on the book of Ephesians. And uh, we're in chapter 5 and things are, things are pretty practical now. It's, uh, you know, it's pushing on, on us a little bit. Some of the, the messages have been a little bit uncomfortable because you know, they've been saying stuff to us, telling us how it is, what it should be like. <clears throat> Last week we talked a little bit about evangelism what that looks like after the riots, and we'll talk more about what the riots are in, in a little bit, but, but this week, uh, we're zeroing in on worship, on music, on praise, and what that looks like after the riots. I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, the person, did you know who has the worst job in our church? Do you know? Do you know who's got the worst? Like the the, the job that nobody wants. It's it's the it's the pits. It's no fun. Anybody know? No, no, it's not me. My job's cake. I mean, I only show up once a week. Um, I, I mean, it's 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 uh, it's it's a joke being me. But but there is one person who has a rough go of it. I know because I did this person's job. Uh, for several years, really from uh, about 2005, 2009. When I got back from Japan, uh, the church was going through a little bit of a transition, and uh, one of the things that was needed was somebody with musical gift to lead the worship. Um, and no one was, was here who could do it, so they, they, they gave it to me instead. Uh, disastrous for four years. I can't believe you stuck with us. I'm so blessed that you did, though. Um, it's just, it's just a, it's a rough job. <laughs> um, and, and the difference between me and Doug is that Doug's talented. So he's got like a, a gift. Imagine what it was like for me, like, Argh! it was tough. Um, yeah, no, Doug has the worst job at our church. He does. It doesn't get worse than Doug's job. Because um, music is a flashpoint. It's, it's, it's constant, like, ugh. Um, and and, and the, the, the reasons for this are, are many. Um, but a lot of it has to do with style, right? Like, you know, you have your style, I have my style. I listen, you know, when I'm, when I'm not here, I'm listening to, like, hardcore metal music or something like that, and, and you're listening to, like, gospel. And so we're, we're, we're going to come together and try and have music here that works. It's hard, really. It's really difficult. And then churches in our area, churches around the, the North America and, and the United States, they have a lot of different ways of dealing with this problem, right? So if, if you have a ton of resources, if your church is you know, just spilling out the door with, with, with filthy lucre, one of the things that you do is um, they'll, they'll have churches where there's different pods, right? Where you go to like the pod that has like kind of contemporary 90s worship. So if you're really into Michael W. Smith, you can go there and listen to his songs. Um, and then if you really, really love um, the Australians and, and the Brits, you can have like the Hillsong pod where they'll have songs, um, a lot of songs that we actually sing here. Um, if you're more into like kind of a spirit-filled, um, almost really charismatic Bethel style, they'll have a pod for that. And so you'll go to these pods and you'll sing the songs there with a band, live band there. And then you'll either go to a large... Um, you know, worship center for the sermon, or the sermon will be piped to you on video um, in, in, in the room that you're at, so that we can hit everyone's particular musical style. Interestingly, what happens in churches that do this is um, they find that the people in the pods, each pod, they all look the same. Yeah, they're all dressed the same, they're all the same age, um, they're all the same socioeconomic um, status, they're, they're all the same ethnicity, um, you know, for the most part, with some 
some movement, but but it's it's a, it, it tends to be a very homogenizing. It makes same it makes everyone the same because for for whatever reason in our culture, um, music tends to be targeted to very specific demographics. And that can't be us. We're Coast Bible Church. You know we we've got the we've got the coasters. Um, I, that name always stresses me out. It's like coasting. Like oh, I don't know. well maybe we'll change that, Bonnie. Think about it. Um, well, you know, we got the coasters, and, and we've, also, we've also got um, the people who don't want to be coasters, probably technically are, but don't admit it yet, um, right? We've got, and we, we've got, you know, young families. Um, I, I, I would love to see some more, like, young single adults. When I was a young single adult here, there was only one other young single adult, and thank God she married me. Because <laughs> it was getting awkward. <laughs> So that brings, the question is this, why are we always fighting about music in church? Why are we always fighting? And we are. Trust me, I know, I know. I used to get performance evaluations that were horrible. (laughs) Why are we always fighting about music? I mean, like I said, style. You know, my my dad, he loves um, two things, Neil Diamond and the Beatles, um, if you were to do a Venn diagram of where our musical tastes intersect, it's like a little bit of Neil Diamond, you know, like, bum, 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 Sweet Caroline, I like that one. And the, I do like the Beatles, that's pretty good. So we have, but everything else that I listen to, he's like, this is trash, turn it off. Man, when we, when we do, um, we do these, uh, road trips, you know, <laughs> I put on my, my Spotify, um, which if you're not familiar with it, it's a streaming service that lets you listen to whatever you want. And I'll put my playlist on, and then like, the car like goes to the side of the road, he kicks me out, and he's like, you turn that nonsense off. Put on the white album. You know, that's all we're listening to. We live in a market economy, right? We're in a unique time in history where recording has changed music totally, right? A hundred years ago, this wasn't an issue, friends, because if you lived a hundred years ago, everyone listened to the same music in a, in, a, in a town or a city. There was no, like, you know, targeting demographics based on music. That all changed with technology, that all changed when suddenly we could start listening to each other. Musicians and artists would start listening to people across the country, across the world, and altering their music to account for that, to take that into account, so that artists became more and more gifted in the ways that they could change sound and, and target it to people. And what has been found is that, is that music very quickly started adapting to popular culture. And popular culture changes constantly, quickly, so what was cool in the 1960s when my dad was listening to pop music is not cool anymore. Or I guess it goes in cycles, and so it is cool, and then it isn't, and then it is, and then it isn't. But, but it's constantly changing. And so when you're in those formative years, what, what matters to you, what really speaks to your soul is different than what speaks to the soul of the people who are younger or older than you. There's the issue of, of, of musical excellence. So that, that's one thing we bring in, we crash into each other in church because I want to listen to this and you want to listen to that. And so we fight. Doug, do it all. Good luck. Then there's the issue of musical excellence. Some folks, some folks want to hear, you know, just the, if, if things are off a little bit, it's not perfect, and there's, there's notes, they have really good ear, right? And so they start to hear that and it's really distracting. And so if the music isn't just spot on perfect, it ruins things. It makes it hard for people to listen. And so we have fights 
we, you know, we, up here, he had Tom on base for years. I mean, I mean, it was just a disaster. And so Josh, you know, back there, he's in control. He turned me down, so you couldn't hear me very much. But occasionally, occasionally that note would be so bad that it like just ruins everything. Some people just don't like music. <laughs> they certainly don't like church music. They're like, is it over yet? They certainly don't want to sing. Maybe they don't have a great voice and they know it. Maybe they're tone deaf and they know that. And they're like, hey, can we, can we get to the good stuff? Where's the sermon, right? Isn't that the... That's the that, I, I, I need, the, I need my, my weekly pep talk, right? And that's what's important about church. And I need to get through this, this part that is so distracting. Other people look around and they see some folks with their eyes closed, you know, and it looks like these folks, and I'm one of them. When I, I tend to close my eyes when I, when I sing. Look at, look at Tom, and they're like, what, if, what is he feeling, and why am I not feeling that? Right? Tom's, you know, he's off in la-la land, and he's doing this or, or whatever, you know, sometimes. And, and, and I, it looks like, maybe he's just putting on a show, could be. Uh, maybe he really is having this um, intense experience. And, 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 and if so, why don't I have that? Why sh- shouldn't I feel the same way during this song? And if I don't, what does that say about me? Or if I'm right, what does that say about him? At the end of the day, we're just fighting. We want music to be different. We want it to be something. We're not even sure sometimes what it should be, but not this. What if the reason that we're always fighting about music is not um, that our hearts are in the wrong place or we're bad people or whatever, but instead, it's that we don't understand what we're supposed to be doing. What if we're misunderstanding what music is supposed to be in this context, right here, 2016, South County, Coast Bible Church, these pews, And what if, what if what we're supposed to be doing right here in this place at this time is different, maybe, than what was happening before the riots? If you were here last week, we talked about the riots, and I'm going to explain that in a second. But first, I want us to take a look at this text. This is Paul talking about what music is supposed to do, if you can believe it or not. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. Dissipation means like uh, you just get so crazy, you do stuff you regret. But be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. When, uh, when we, especially in an in a evangelical culture, when we look at this text, typically what happens is people focus on one line, and it's, don't be drunk with wine. Because uh, there's people in our church who um, feel free to, to drink alcohol. There are those who would never touch the stuff, and, and, and everywhere in between. And so evangelicals tend to get focused on that line. It's actually just, um, it's a kind of an aside almost. It's a contrast that Paul's pulling out because he probably doesn't have the same, um, concerns about alcohol that, um, that we do in our North American context. Especially our evangelical context. The, the issue for Paul is, is, is dissipation. 
That's what he doesn't like. See, he, he's been a part of this early church, and there's been people who, um, probably at the Lord's Supper, where uh, wine was probably served, um, and they kind of had too much, and they got out of control. Um, and maybe you've seen this in your life, where um, people get out of control because they've had too much, and, and they start to make decisions um, that, uh, you know, lead to bad things. They regret later, and, and sometimes can even ruin life um, because it just keeps happening. Well, the issue for Paul is that he sees that, and he's thinking, why is that happening? Right? What is the issue there? And I want to say that that, that little line right there, is a, he's setting up a contrast. You know, Don't be the kinds of people who are, who are doing this. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. That's a different kind of people. And it's very contextualized. It's, just for, it's for Ephesus. If you're in the after the riots, and we'll talk about that, Ephesus, you're going to understand why this matters. Okay? There's these two ways of dealing with the world and, and, and the way that we're experiencing the world. The one is get loaded. The other is be filled with the Spirit. And if you're filled with the Spirit, you're going to get some of the same uh, benefits uh, as wine, but you're going to get them without the consequences. And that's because uh, wine can bring happiness. This is in your note sheets. Wine can bring happiness, but it is temporary because it does not change what is happening in the world. Wine can bring happiness, but it's temporary because it does not change what is happening in the world. And so we need to know what's happening in the world of Ephesus, and we need to know what's happening in our world. And if you remember from last week, what's happening is that we're adjusting. We're adjusting to the riots. This right here, this is, um, this is uh, the ruins of the Temple of Diana slash Artemis. She had two different names, depending if you're doing Rome, uh, Latin or Greek, um, in Ephesus. Uh, I, I drove by this um, about 12 years ago. And uh, it's really, it's kind of boring because it's not a lot left there because the, the, the temple was burned to the ground. Um, and so not a lot is, is left um, but we do know what it, what it might have looked like, um, and that's the, the next um, slide here. That, that's what it would have been. This is uh, Diana Artemis. She was the, the patron goddess of Ephesus, and she in, in, ensured that Ephesus would have successful trade and would be um, the, the, just the most important place uh, in, in, in the ancient Near East. And if you remember from last week, what happened was uh, Paul started messing with her business, um, Paul came and he started preaching the good news about Jesus and people started believing it and by believing in Jesus they got sick and, and they didn't need Diana Artemis anymore and they saw that she was a fake god or goddess and so they abandoned her worship and her supporters, especially the people who made money off of her worship, who, who created um, idols and, and, and other things, they got very, very upset and so they started a riot. They gathered all the people of Ephesus and they, and they put them in, um, in, the, in the amphitheater and they started shouting out, great is Diana of the Ephesians. Great is Diana of the Ephesians. And, and at the same, and so Paul was, he was mad and so he was going to run into the, um, into the amphitheater and he was going to tell them what's up. But the Christians, they grabbed him and they said, don't do it, man, because you're not going to get out of here alive. And so they sent him away from Ephesus and he never returned to Ephesus the riots changed the atmosphere of Ephesus. It was no longer a place where Christianity was 
accepted or, or, or promoted. It was now a place where Christianity was a little bit suspect, a little bit on the edge. And it was fine if you wanted to do it in the privacy of your own home or your own church group, but surely, surely you wouldn't bring it into the public square because if you did, if you did, then Diana and her friends would go after you and your family. And I suggested last week that, that South Orange County is moving into a post-riot context where, for the most part, you'll be left alone if you want to worship Jesus. But if you start talking too much or getting too uppity and moving out, then people are going to start to, whoa, 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 settle down. Hey, that doesn't belong here at work with us. That doesn't belong here at the dinner table where we're having a nice conversation about something non-controversial like who's going to win the presidential election. (laughs) Keep that to yourself a little bit. In that context, everything changes. We talked last week about evangelism, and now Paul's telling us how worship Changes. The point of music changes. Something is added to what we're doing when we sing that is different than when the culture is excited or interested about Christianity. Now that the, now that the cultural context has changed, what worship is doing for us has changed. What worship does for the people who come in here changes. It, with that in mind, let's look at the text again. Do not be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. One of the interesting things about a moment of being filled with the Spirit, and, and it doesn't have to be like some, it doesn't have to be Tom going like this, yes, Jesus. It can be a lot of different things. This being filled with the Spirit can happen around a dinner table. It can happen with your friends. It's when, it's when you just have this joy and conviviality and happiness um, about what's going on. But being filled with the Spirit is different than being filled with wine because being filled with the Spirit, especially in song, changes the world. There is a way in which what we do when we sing changes what happens out there. It's not temporary like wine. It's permanent. And we'll talk about that. We'll get there. First, notice uh, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Um, when Paul's writing in Ephesians, and really anywhere that Paul writes, he likes to use a lot of words that mean kind of the same thing. A lot of scholars have tried to figure out, what's a psalm, what's a hymn, what's a spiritual song? And there, you can look back and there's even sermons where it's like, it's this and this and this, and it's not that. that it really, Paul, he's just saying, any time that an artist, a, a, a musician of, of any sort, has been inspired by the Spirit, inspired by the Scripture, and has generated a piece of art um, that is set to music, That's the kind of stuff we're looking for. We're looking for music from the Spirit, not music that's secular, that's out there. We're looking for something that tells the truth. Think about the lyrics of the songs that we sing here. Remember, in your head, great is Diana of the Ephesians. How great is our God. How great is Diana of the Ephesians? How great thou art. In the ancient world, people were always looking for a savior. 
They looked to Caesar. Some people now are looking to a new president. And we sing, our God saves. Our God saves. There is hope, God, in your name. There are other stories that we tell in this culture. Money. Money is great. Money saves. Cash rules everything around me. Cream. Get the money, dollar, dollar bill, y'all. You guys don't like Wu-Tang Clan? Okay. That's a, that was a very popular song. Cash rules everything around me. Get the money. Uh, one of the gospels that's told nowadays is the gospel of science. Humanity was in darkness until the Enlightenment in the 1700s, and suddenly science began to, you know, change the world. Suddenly we had all the opportunities of antibiotics and cars and the internet, and finally the light of science shone on our darkness and saved us, liberated us from our misery. Jesus saves. Jesus forgives. No matter how many miles you get to the gallon, your car will not forgive you. Sex is great. Sex saves. Youth is great. Youth saves. There's a recent song, We Are Young. And the whole song is about how great it is to be young. Because that's not going to change. I submit to you that much of what we hear in songs and we see on TV shows and movies and read in books and on the internet is spiritual propaganda. It is composed of messages designed to deflate you and mislead you so that you believe something about the world that is not true. It's propaganda. It's tweets that shape the way you see the world in a way that is false that sets your heart on things that don't matter, that don't last, that aren't real, on gods that will not save you, on gods that are not great. Look at the text again. This is so interesting. Look what Paul says. So he says, he says so sing, right? Sing. No. He says, speak to one another. Isn't that weird? Isn't it weird? Speak to one another, not, not sing, not, not, but speak to one another in these psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Uh, has this happened to you, by the way? It happens to some of us where um, you know, you're not here. So you're here, you come on Sunday, you do your thing, and then you leave and you're out. And for me, it's often at Toys R Us. I'm at Toys R Us. And Aaron sees another piece of plastic. That, and this one, this one is sure, sure to make our children eternally happy. And, and I look at it, and, and what pops into my head? Riches I heed not. Interestingly, this never pops into my head when I'm looking at something I want. <laughs> but do you notice what happens? Though? It pops into my head. It's like, it's just the, the line is there, and it's been built into me over you know, years and years in this place. And suddenly, I'm in the middle of the real world, and that giraffe at Toys R Us is telling me, this is how to make your kids happy. And then pop, that pops into my head. And so I speak to Erin, riches I heed not. And she's like, shh, I'm buying it. <laughs> no, she's good. She, 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 she takes a breath and she's like, yeah, you're probably right. 
And notice, um, notice that you, you speak it, and then he, then he finally gets to the singing and making melody, right? So, so this is the part where we're talking in church and we're singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. He doesn't say in your mouth. He's talking about something different than this experience here in this place. He's talking about something that happens outside. And it's similar. I'm, I'm there in the world, and something that I've heard, something I've internalized because of the music we sing here over the years pops in. And it's something that goes to God in the middle of that crazy place. Why does that happen? Actually, uh, there's some books about this now. Um, there's a German guy named Eckert. In 1979, he invented a, a German word, Ohrwürmer. That means earworm. You know what an earworm is. It's that, it's that, that, that hook, right? That you just can't get out of your head. It just, it just sounds great. And, and for whatever reason, it just gets stuck in your mind, and, and you're trying to go to sleep, and you can't because it keeps playing over and over and over. An earworm. Uh, they, they, now, apparently, the uh, people at Sony, our friends at Sony, and their scientists, have invented a computer program that has created a pop song with an earworm. Now a robot can do it, because there is actually a science to this. There is a way that we hear music. Music is, uh, some, in some ways, math. It's uh, math made um, audible. And, and there are ways that our brain responds to different movements in music, different melodies, different ways that notes get put together. And, and a great artist, a great, um, a great person who's been inspired by the Spirit can come up with a hook, a, 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 a turn of phrase, something cle- clever and catchy in a way that it just stays with you. And because it stays with you, it's in your heart. And because it's in your heart, it's easy for you to speak it to, to someone else, even when you're not here, even when the music's not playing, it's still there inside of you. Who, the, okay, Doug, you can't answer this, neither can Aaron. None of the staff. Who knows what the word chesed means? Right. Oh, okay, okay, John knows. John and Katie know. They take good notes. All right. Five years ago, I gave a sermon, a whole sermon. It was like an hour and 40 minutes. And all I talked about was the Hebrew word chesed. And people said after the sermon, they were like, that was amazing. Finally, someone has really dug it into the scriptures. And yet today, and yet today, no one remembers it. I even, I even tell you, time and again, I, 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 tell, I talk about this word frequently. I make it a point because it's so important to me. So important. And yet people forget it. People don't have it. It's not in their hearts. And yet, and yet, if Doug gets up there and he starts streaming, your love never fails, it never gives up. It never runs out on me. Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. You know that song. And it is burrowed deep in your heart. That's what Hesed means. It's God's committed, faithful, never give up love. And every person who's heard that song will never forget it. Because that's what music does. And when you're out there in the world and you're concerned about the election or your family or your finances or where things are going and that starts to hit you, your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me, what happens? 
you stop and you're able to give thanks again. Because your fortunes, your future, none of that depends on who gets elected. None of that depends on whether or not you get this job or this promotion or whether or not your marriage is perfect. It doesn't matter because you've heard the truth about who God is and what God has done for you. And so you can have thankfulness even in the most challenging circumstances. Out there is propaganda nonstop that says you need this or you want this or you have to have this and and this is what rules and this is what's great and this is what saves you. After the riots, praise music produces propaganda-proof people. Propaganda-proof people. Because these words are deep in your heart, you walk out there and those messages can't overcome you. Because you're owned by the music here. You're owned by spirit-inspired words. After the riots, you know, before the riots, praise music was just almost spontaneous, right? Maybe you remember this sometime in your life when you were just so overwhelmed by what God had done for you that you just wanted to sing. Or you just wanted to read the Bible. Or you just wanted whatever. You just had to express and experience what God had done. But, but after the riots, it becomes a little more difficult because now you realize that the culture is against you and if you're too voluble and you make too much noise about it, you're going to get cut down. And, and so now what happens is that the point of praise music changes a little bit. Something's added. The point is not to make you feel a certain way, although that's awesome when it happens. The point is not to make you cry or feel emotions or overwhelmed, although sometimes that's appropriate and it's good. The point is not merely to give you an opportunity to encounter God. It does do that, but that's not all it does. What praise music does is it forms us so that we're able to recognize and reject the lies of our culture. There's three types of people here, three types. The first type are people who are unformed by music. You've, you know, for whatever reason, you've, you've gotten through life, and so far there's never been a praise music that you've listened to and, and it's shaped you or changed the way that you see or anything like that. You, you've just gone through your, your life and, and church music is something over there, and that's okay. That's great. I call you the unformed. You're the people who are out there and you're at Toys R Us and, and, and she's talking about this piece of plastic and you're like, yeah, Awesome. There's nothing inside that says, wait. For you, Doug and I have, have made a, a commitment. We're, we're committed to a research project. We're going to try and find the kind of music that's going to hook you. And it's going to get into your heart. And it's going to start forming you and changing the way that you think so that when you leave, when you leave, some of those little snippets are going to be in the back of your mind so that when you're confronted with the world, it's gonna, you're, you're gonna have those, those words, those spirit inspired words to say, wait, wait. That's our commitment to you. You haven't found it yet. We're going to look for it. In fact, we would, even if, you know, if you've heard something that you kind of like that we do, we'd love to hear from you about that and, and all 
give an, an opportunity for that in, in, in a moment. But if you're unformed, we are going to find the music that forms you. There's another type of person here, and I, I know there's a lot of you because I'm one of you, and you're the kind of person who's already been formed by music. You can look back in your life, and at least there was a time that, that music like really deeply meant a lot to you, and it changed the way you see, saw the world so that you were able to, for the first time, stand up against the lies and the propaganda. You were able to hear in, 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 your, in your own heart um, words and snippets of spirit-inspired songs that, that changed the way that you think so that you're able to, to respond um, in a holy way to the world that's after you. For me, this was um, Thursday night at Lingle Chapel in college. Um, my buddy Mark and, and my buddies Mark and Dave, they, they started just an, an impromptu service. And we would go on Thursday nights to this little chapel. And everyone was invited and we would sing together. And there were songs I'd never heard. And for the first time, I felt like music spoke to me. Christian music spoke to me. And I, and I found that I was changed and that I could... could we don't sing a lot of those songs here. They're old. I mean, they're like 15, 20 years old now, you know? And, you know, and that's okay. One of the reasons I like going to Sunday night worship is it's a little bit like that. But yeah, the, the music's changed. It's different now. And that's okay. I had my golden age. I was formed deeply by spiritual songs and hymns and psalms. And that did give me the resources to respond when the culture lies to me. For people like us who've been formed, our job is not to come here and expect to be reformed or to to step back into our golden age where everything was perfect. But instead to recognize that the music here is, is meant to form new people. It's meant to come after the folks who haven't been formed yet the folks who need those resources and the truth of the gospel and the recognition of who God is and need it in a way that hooks them and burrows into their hearts. And we can participate in that. We can participate that as mission to them by singing here, by participating here, whether or not it's the most overwhelming or perfect song. We can think of our singing as our mission to the unformed. There's a third type of people, and that's the forming. The forming people aren't quite there yet, but they know they respond to what's going on here, and they they start to hear the songs that we're singing in their minds as they go through life. And maybe that's you. Maybe maybe you find that 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 you did hear, you know, our great how great is our God at some point. And, and maybe you have recognized that the, the music here is is beginning to speak uh, out of your heart into your context. If that's you, Doug's making a playlist for you. Yeah. If, uh, here's the thing. So I'm going to make sure we get it on the website. It's going to be, click on a link, right? It's going to get you to a Spotify playlist or a Pan- Pandora station, something, something that will give you a chance to hear this music, the stuff that we sing in this place, so that you can be formed by it through your week. And, and for all of us, that's a great opportunity. 30 minutes. I know, I know. A lot of you like to listen to talk radio. I get it. Very entertaining. Some of you like to listen to K-Rock. Some of you like to listen to country music. That's okay. I'm not going to judge you. Okay, a little bit. But here's an opportunity. An opportunity to say, I'm going to take 30 minutes, and I'm going to try to get formed. And Doug's gonna, Doug and I, we're going we're gonna to find this list for you, and it's a chance for you to get, to get formed up by this music. 
Last, we want to hear your recommendations. We want to know what's forming you now. And so we're going to come up with a way, Doug and I, for you to make suggestions and say, this music mattered to me. This is important, friends, not just because it's tough being Doug. It is tough being Doug. It's hard, and I, I love his heart. You guys have no idea how much energy and, and, and passion he puts into making music great here um, and, and really giving us an opportunity to encounter the Lord. But what it's about is not just making his life easier. It's about forming a people who exit this place armed with the true message of the universe, who can withstand the propaganda and lies of, the, of what goes on outside these walls, who can, in our own hearts, hear who God really is and what really is great and what really does save and, and, and have the resources to, to respond and reject all those things. That's what it's about. That's why it matters. This is not just an opportunity to sing. It's an opportunity to change. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for making us musical people. People who hear and respond to melody. Thank you for giving it to us in this church. Thank you for all of the ways that you have given music to your people. I pray, God, that we will be a church that worships for formation, people who are changed and formed into, people who can recognize and reject the lies around us. God, inspire our hearts. Bring us music that burrows deep, that's true, that tells your story, and that makes us different. In Jesus' name, amen.